0: Psalm chapter 7, Psalm chapter 7, the earth, and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about, for their sakes therefore return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow, and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth with, mis- with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit, and digged it, and is followed into the ditch which is he made. His mischief shall turn upon his own head and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to my righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. It's the title of the message tonight from verse 10, The Lord is my defense. The Lord is my defense. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. Lord, I pray as we look into your word tonight that we be encouraged. Though times in this life we suffer tribulation and affliction, but help us to cast our soul upon thee and put our rest and trust in thee and allow you to be our defense and our fortress, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. The introduction to this psalm says Shigian, I guess that's how you say that, of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. Now, there's controversy about who Cush is. Um... Some believe it was actually a man named Cush of Benjamin, kin to Saul, or some believe it was Saul, or some believe it was Shimei, remember Shimei who cursed David when, when David fled from Absalom. But whoever it may be, I want to notice four things tonight as we think about this, whoever it may be, he brought, a first of all, a sore affliction upon David. If you notice in verse 1, it says, O Lord my God, in thee do I trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. Now, the context is that David has been slandered and is now persecuted. If you notice in verse 14, it says, Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. So this 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 uh, slander or this falsehood that was brought to David uh, brought several things to him. First of all, it brought persecution into his life. The word persecution is used here in verse 1 where it says persecute me is in a hostile sense. It means to put to flight or to run after. Now, again, there's uncertainty as the identity of the persecutor or the slander. Um, you know, some say it was Saul, and we could have reason to, to believe that because... You know, after David killed Goliath, um, it's, it, uh, or no, I'm sorry, in, in uh, chapter fifteen, get ahead of myself here. Uh, in chapter fifteen, after Saul did not completely destroy the Amalekites, Samuel told him, "God hath rendered the kingdom from thee, and given it to a neighbor better than thou." And then you go to chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, chapter 18, and after, after uh, uh, David kills Goliath, and there he, of course, uh, Saul keeps David, and he becomes, becomes a, 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 a part of his army, a leader in his army, and, and so they go out and they, they kill Philistines, and in verse 6 it says, It came to pass as they, as they came when David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments and music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul, eyed David, from that day and forward, it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand, as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Saul cast a javelin, for he said, I will smite David into the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, of course, if you, if you continue this narrative in chapter 20, verses 30 to 33, Jonathan, of course, defends David. And Saul is so vehement about killing David that he even almost attempts to kill Jonathan. 1 Samuel 20, verse 30 says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. He said unto him, Thou son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and under the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Wherefore, now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall die. And Jonathan answered Saul's father, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. And then in, and then in uh, chapter 33, I'm sorry, wait a minute here. Um, I think I got a wrong passage here. Anyway, um, later on, uh, David. Maybe the wrong number, and I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, David uh, saw uh, spares David's life, and David made reference to the fact that some had falsely accused him of of uh, conspiracy against Ting. I, and I'm not sure what that is because I don't have the right reference here. But but anyway, so. You know, it could be Saul that certainly slandered him. However, whoever it was, uh, uh, you know, he was falsely accused and it brought persecution into his life that he had to flee. Of course, in First Samuel 24, 8 through 10, says, David also rose after and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said for Saul, Wherefore, hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? Somebody is saying that I seek thy hurt? He said, Behold, this day, thine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So it brought this persecution upon David, but it also brought turmoil in David's life. Notice again in verse 2, Psalm 7, verse 2. It says, Lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver it. So he's making his cry unto the Lord, and he asks the Lord that to to uh, uh, deliver him, lest he tear my soul like a lion. Now, he didn't say lest he tear my body and simply kill me. He said lest he tear my soul. Now, the word tear you know it just simply means to pull in pieces, like a lion would just you know ravages an animal and just you know rips and tears and 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 uh, you know as it's uh, uh, devouring its prey, but the word soul means the mind or the seat of the senses, the affections and emotions to which is ascribed love, joy, fear, piety towards God, confidence, desire, appetite for food, and sexual appetites. Now all these things are affected by the soul. Or the soul is the source of all these things. And David said, Lest he tear my soul like a lion. You see, this malicious slander was working on David's soul. And if you know anything about if you've ever been slandered, you know, you, you know it's gonna work on you. It's gonna work on you. It affects you. You think about what what all was going on in David's life after this first 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 thing they tried to use against David was manipulation. You know, oh hey, yeah, you know after all, whoever killed Goliath was gonna be the king's what son-in-law. Oh, he gets one of his king's daughters for a wife, and so. When the first available daughter was supposed to be given to David, she's given to somebody else. And then, the, then they, they they hear that oh, well, Michael, loved, Michael loves David, so so we'll give her he, her to him, and we'll use her as a trap for him. So you know, he says, uh, you know, David said, "I'm a poor man. I you know, I don't have anything to give for a dowry." And, and you know, and so the kings he's conniving, he's thinking, well, just ask him for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, and he'll fall by the hand of the Philistines. In other words, the motive was to kill, let the Philistines kill him, not kill him outright, just let the Philistines do it. The only problem is they didn't know David very well. Because David didn't kill a hundred Philistines, he killed two hundred. So there's, there's this mind manipulation game. And so that doesn't work, so we just outright accuse him of conspiring to steal the throne so we can kill him. It's really what they did. You know, there was, used to, there was an old saying that went around sticks and stones may break my bones. We used to say this when we were kids sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. It may be a cute saying, but it's not. Psalm sixty or sixty four three, speaking of the wicked, says, "Who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words." Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof." So you know these are these are words or a slander, and of course you know you think about it, you know David isn't it isn't just anybody or a, a peasant that has been slandered, it's somebody who has been a leader in the army. So he's well known, he's very popular, he's liked by some and hated by others. as It's always the case in something like that. And the king of all people has set himself against him, so there's a lot of people that are out looking for him. So David's in a bad way. This is a life and death situation. So, and 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 so we see this this slander, this slander, that is this out to destroy David. Uh, but you know, as God's people, we ought not to participate in things like that. Your yeah, First Corinthians 13.5 says, doth not behave itself unseemly? Thinketh not our own, speaking of charity. Is not easily, easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. And if it was Saul or Cush, whoever it was, was, was stirring up evil about David. Evil thoughts. You know, the word evil here is of a bad nature, not such as ought to be, a mode of thinking, feeling, acting, base, wrong, and wicked. And Saul was thinking out of jealousy, which, which now has ruled his thinking. And corrupted it. Even when confronted with it, and he admits that he's wrong, he turns right around and does it again. Yeah, you know, we have to be careful who we talk to, how we talk to. Not slander. Or. And when we are slandered, it can bring turmoil in our life. So, But I notice the second thing. Not only is this a sore affliction, but I want you to notice his self-examination. In verses 3 through 5, David says this, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that it was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him without cause is mine enemy, Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. You know, this is a a honest look at himself. And he asks himself the question, did I bring this upon myself? Is there sin in my life? Am I guilty? Am I guilty of this myself? You know, we might ask ourselves a question Am I wreaking the consequences of my own sin? You know, this is a this is a pure uh, uh, humble examination of himself. And and notice a, a third thing here he be willing to accept the responsibility for sin and learn from it. If you notice in verse 5, let if if, if this is the case. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. If I am guilty, Lord, let the enemy take me. I'm not worthy. Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead lead me in the way everlasting. He's asking the Lord to search him. And what David's doing in the seventh psalm is asking the Lord to search him. Look at chapter 141, excuse me, Psalm 141, verse 4. Incline not mine heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with the men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. So he says, let the righteous smite me. The word smite is, both these words are really are strong words. The word smite, though, means strike or beat down. And David says, let the righteous smite me. Beat me down. It shall be a kindness unto me. You know, it. It's a kindness if somebody smites you down and puts you on the right path. Turns you from your sin. That's a kindness. Then he says, let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil. Now, now the thought that comes to my mind here is when Nathan comes to David. He gives him that allegory about the rich man and the little lamb. And then he says, and you're the guy, you're the guy. And David was smitten, he was smitten. You see, let him reprove me, that means to correct, correct um, punishment, correct punishment. There's the meaning of the word there. And he says, it shall be an excellent oil. Now think about David when Nathan came to him and said, thou art the man. And up until that time, David confessed his sin. He said, my bones waxed old. When you talk about an excellent oil, you're talking about, you know, we put on, we men put on cologne and ladies put on perfume. And they, and they put, we men don't put lotion on our faces, not that any of that I know of anyway, but but, you know, women put lotion on their faces to make their faces shine. Make the skin look good. That's the idea of oil here, to make your countenance shine. You know, sin will ruin your countenance. And David's countenance was ruined by his sin with Bathsheba. But, and then after Nathan came to him and smote him and reproved him, he made his face to shine again because he confessed his sin. It was like an excellent oil. Proverbs nine eight and nine says, "Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee; rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee; give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser; teach a just man, and he will increase in learning." I remember years ago, we was in Maine. Soon after we got there, there was a couple of photocopiers in the church. The one, I think there was about three of them actually. One of them worked but made a streak down the center of the page and the secretary treasurer said i think you ought to call the former pastor and and ask him for some financial help to fix that thing cuz he ruined it cuz we didn't have the money to fix it so we just used it the way it was and i thought about it and i thought nah cuz proverb says He that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. But here it says, if you rebuke a wise man, he will love thee. He'll love thee. You know, Nathan, or David loved Nathan for that rebuke. Proverbs 19.25, again, smite a scorner, and the simple will beware, and Reprove one that hath understanding and he will understand knowledge. So there needs to be this self-examination. We need to allow the Lord to really examine us. Then I notice the third thing here. We need to also set the Lord as judge and avenger. This is important. Anytime that Somebody then you're slandered or you're misjudged, you need to set the Lord as the judge and the avenger not take it upon yourself. Look at chapter, uh, go to, uh, look at verses six through ten. It says, "Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of thine, mine enemies, and await for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded, so shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself i am the lord in 1 samuel 24 verses 9 through 22 you know david did not avenge himself this was the thing that one of the things that you know his 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 uh his men wanted him to avenge himself but david would not in 1 samuel 24 verse 9 it says And David said to Saul, Wherefore healest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not pour forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand. For in that that I cut off the skirt of thy robe, kill thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee. But mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After dead dog? After flea? The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee, and see and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand it came to pass when David, and, Amen, and ended speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, forasmuch as when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For an enemy, if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore, the Lord reward thee good, for that thou hast done me this day. And now, behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the king of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord, that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore unto Saul, and the Saul went home, but David and his men got them up into the hole. So you notice that several times in that passage, David said, you know, the Lord judged between." Me and thee. The Lord judge between me and thee. Romans, of course, Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, the world's way is, I'll get even. I'll get even. That's not our way. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're to judge righteous judgment. We're not out to get even. When we commit our case to the Lord, we are proving our faith in him as the judge of all the earth. It demonstrates our trust in him to do what is right. That we trust his judgment. After all, he knows the hearts and the reins. If you notice here in verse uh, um, uh, verse 9, it says, For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reins. And I think the hearts there has to do with the thought processes of, of man. The reins is to do with the feelings, the emotions. It's, it's a term that describes the kidney, the innermost, your, the, the, your belly, so to speak. So your, your feelings, your, your gut feelings, some might say that way. So the Lord knows those things. He knows our thoughts afar off. When Abraham was interceding for Lot in Genesis 18, he made this statement, and it came out as a question, but it's more of a statement than a question Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It's not so much a statement or a question, but a statement to the character of God that God will do right. He will do right. He will judge righteous judgment. And we need to commit our case to the Lord. There's a second thing I want to mention here, and this is a tough one. We have to accept this timing. When will I be avenged? When will I be vindicated? You know that I've been slammed. When will I be vindicated? Well, go to Revelation. Well, you don't need to turn around. I have it written down here. Revelation 6, 9, and 10 says this. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long? How long is it going to be till you avenge our blood? Of course, the answer was, when the rest that shall be killed will be. You know, we need to accept this timing. Sometimes that's not easy. David didn't know. You know, David, I don't know how many years David was hunted like an animal. Why didn't God just kill Saul? Why did he let it go like that for so long? I don't know. I read one guy said one time, maybe it was so God could get Saul out of David so David would learn not to do like You know, sometimes God allows things in our life to make us, to make us, to bring us closer to himself, to, to, to do his work in us. But we do know this. Luke 18, 7 says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night at him, though he bear long with them? You know, he may bear long, but he will avenge. His own. You see, God is our defense. He is our protector. We need to trust him. We need to wait on him. We need to commit ourselves to him. Like the Lord Jesus did, first Peter 2 23 says, He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Was it right? No. What was done to him. But he didn't avenge himself. He gave them space to repent. In AD 70, it was really over for the, Israel, the Jewish people of that day. And so we need to set the Lord as the judge and avenger. We need to be obedient to his word, not take vengeance of ourselves. You know, David's a good example. That he didn't take vengeance of Saul. But we see here also, number four, the sure condemnation of the wicked. Notice verse 11. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, who are the wicked? Now, if you notice in our text, with the wicked is in italics. So there's really not a Hebrew word there. It's understood. If you were Hebrew, you'd understand it without with the wicked in it. That he's talking about the wicked. But in the Bible, if you look up the word wicked, uh, of course, in this case, it's the slander. But the word wicked means evil, bad, they that work iniquity. Or thinking and and acting in a way that displeases Jehovah. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Uh, shall the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and, done, and cast out devils and done many wonderful works? Then will I say unto thee, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They're wicked. They had a form. You know, P- Timothy talks about a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And and so they're wicked. There was not unwillingness to repent of sin and receive Christ. Displeases the Lord. It's an offense to Him. They're wicked. You know, we in our you know in our in our our way of thinking, sometimes we divide people up as well. They're pretty good people, and they're not. What you know is emphasized with with the, the dentons there's only two classes or two groups of people in the world from God's viewpoint there's the righteous and the unrighteous there's the lost and the saved there's the wicked and the righteous that's it and God is angry with the wicked and, and notice here God is angry with the wicked continually Notice it says, every day. Every day. It simply means continually. There's not any time that God's not angry with the wicked. John three seventeen eighteen 18 says, God sent not a son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him that might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Or as wrath of God rests on him, or is on him continually. God's angry with the wicked every day. You know, the wicked have the wrath of God resting on them. Or dwelling on them. And any day they leave this world. Or you leave this world. You will be in hell. Except you repent. That's the case of the wicked. You might say it's not a case of. When are you going there? You are going there. Of course. If he turned not. And God is, you know, God is angry with the wicked continually, and God is preparing for the time of judgment. The judgment day is coming. Notice verse 12. It says, if he turn not, of course, that's the opportunity to repent. is still available while a person is still yet alive on this earth. But if he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He's at full draw." He's wet the sword. The word wet there means to sharpen or to hammer to sharpen. To hammer out and to sharpen. So, so God is, 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 is preparing his battle armaments. He hath also prepared, verse 13, for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his errors against the persecutors. So God is preparing for the time of judgment. And that sharp sword... Revelation 19 with it he's going to smite the nations." Revelation 19:15 says So there is a sure condemnation. It's not if or maybe it's sure for the wicked, there will be judgment. But thank the Lord, he is merciful. He is compassionate. If he turn not. You see, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, and God has no pleasure in condemning anyone to a lake of fire. And so he puts that little phrase there, if he turn not. In other words, if he turns from his wicked way, he shall live. He shall live. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, or be delivered from the judgment of God. You see, we reap what we we, we reap the consequences of what we sow. We see that also here, in verse verse uh, fifteen. It says, "He made a pit and digged it, and has fallen in the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head. His violent dealing." shall come down upon his own pate. You know, I believe the longer that a person resists and pursues in their enmity against God, the harder it is to change the course. You don't hear many old people getting saved. they've set their course for life it's like you get into habits you know there's habits that I have in my life that I don't like changing I like breakfast every morning you know um, I like to wear my shoes in the house kind of a joke around our house you know if you know there's some places i you know when when it's expected i take my shoes off but at my house i wear them in the house now i keep my shoes clean i don't consider myself a pig and drag all the dirt through the house or slob or whatever you want to call them you know you know, we get set in our ways and, and the, the longer we persist in our sin and I think it's, this is the idea here he made a pit and digged it he dug his own ditch he dug his own grave you know what a ditch is it's, you know what a rut is it's just a, a grave with the ends kicked out they say the old saying is you know, the chickens come home to roost or what goes around comes around you reap what you sow you reap what you sow and david is david is pleading to the lord lord judge me according to my righteousness you see we need to have the lord as our defense and when the enemy opposes us or speaks falsehood or whatever may may be we need to have be walking with the Lord so that the Lord can take up our cause and vindicate our cause so is the Lord your defense is he your stronghold Stronghold? Uh, is he your protector My God help us to live righteously so that we can plead with the Lord to vindicate and to avenge us of the evils of this wicked world. And Lord, deliver us from being the slanderer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction it gives to us, and I pray that you help us to heed the instruction and to be encouraged to walk with you, keep your commandments, that we can have assurance that you are our defense. And we thank you for your promises you give us in your word. We do pray in Jesus' name.